and welcome to My C5 Life, a podcast where we talk about life with a disability. This is your host, Lindsay Knott, coming to you live from my wheelchair. I obtained my spinal cord injury as a teenager, which sees me getting around on four wheels instead of two legs. Through this podcast, I will share my lived experience of life with a disability and how we can improvise, adapt, and overcome life challenges. Today, we have a special guest. We have Selena. Selena is a support coordinator law student and loves participating in triathlons. We have been working together since 2019. Looking forward to finding out more about support coordination and a little bit more about Selena. So welcome, Selena. Awesome, mate. Thank you. You've made me sound very good already. (laughs) No worries. So who is Selena and where where did your journey begin? Mate, we came to Australia in 1982. Um, my dad's English and my mum's from Tuvalu. They met uh, in Tuvalu because my dad put up the telecommunications there. So my mum came out to Australia with uh, three young children under five. Um, she didn't know the language. She was culturally isolated. And that's really kind of shaped uh, who I am now. Um Mum made a life for herself. Uh, She made friends. She learnt the language off TV mainly. But, yeah, she really didn't have um, the skills, as it were, um, to be successful here, and and that's what she was. So you probably wouldn't be surprised to know that I was a bit of a germ as a kid and particularly as a teenager. And I look back on that now and that experience um, that my mum had and it really motivates me to be better. Awesome. History over time, like jobs, volunteering activities, what, what, what have you done over the time? So I've polluted the airways mainly as an adult. So I've been a TV journo, done some bit, um, bits and pieces on radio and print. Yeah, that's where my um, university degree is in journalism and communications. And it was actually really fun. Um, I spent a lot of time in Townsville and yeah, you really get to get lots of experience and, you know, have a good Yeah, so mainly my uh, degree or my degree is in journalism and communications. I've done lots of journo jobs, radio, television, had a bit of a stint being a ground announcer for a football club. Um, Yeah, so I've had heaps of um, different experiences. I came into support coordination or working with people with a disability a bit later, but um, we can chat about that, I'm sure. You've got a very worldly experience, um, which is awesome, which is great to bring um, to Bring to the job for working with clients with a disability because it's always having that outside think outside the box is all is awesome and something to is beneficial to everybody I believe. So why did you choose to become a support coordinator? I actually kind of fell into it. I um, had been living in Tasmania for some years, which I absolutely loved. I was doing a role at the university there, and when we were putting in new university campuses um, across Tasmania, uh, and I actually had the chance to be in a trial site of the NDIS for my son when we were in Tasmania. So when we came back to Brisbane, um, my twin brother um, said, look, um, our organisation, we're just getting on to the NDIS now. Um, You know, you know a little bit more about it than than most. And could you come and, um, and help us out? And you know, I did that with the intention of, you know, really a stopgap. Um, my intention was always to go back into communication roles, but I wanted to help out my brother. And so I went and did it and I really have never looked back. Awesome. Is there a university degree that you need to be a sport coordinator or what, what qualifications do you need to be that role? 
Look, there is no university degree for what we do. And I'm a really big believer in education. I encourage everyone to do it where, where they can. But certainly in support coordination, I know many, many support coordinators without a university background, and they are wonderful. Um, support coordination isn't rocket science. And I genuinely believe that it, you have to be passionate about people, passionate about improving yourself and your knowledge. Um, and that's what makes a, a great support coordinator, not a university degree. Are there different roles in support coordination? Yep, there is. There's My organisation is a registered provider and we provide levels, well, there's one to three and we provide levels two and three. Um, level two is just what um, the vast majority of people with support coordination um, have in their plans. Um, support coordination is the recognition that you have complex um, support requirements um, or needing help to access services and supports. Um, and level three is that little bit higher need of of engagement. What age group do you work with? I, I work with lots of age group. The vast majority of the people I provide supports are for are adults. Uh, I do have a soft spot for children and their families. Um, given my own experience, I felt really isolated actually when I was going through this with my young son. He was diagnosed very early. So I see that in other families and it's just in my nature. I just want to help and just want to make sure that people know that, you know, with the right support, it gets better. And what is what are the differences uh, between children and adults? If you don't want to talk about, it, we can we can leave that. Yeah, look, both have their challenges actually, but working with children and their families, from my personal point of view, is actually really rewarding. They're just starting on their journey, even though I hate that word. They're starting on you know finding out services, finding where it all sits, uh, and it can be really like for my experience, it was isolating, and I know that it is for others as well. So. That can be difficult, but it's also, as I say, it's it's a really rewarding um, line of work. Um, working with adults is great. The vast majority of clients that I have are adults. I absolutely love working with um, adults. It's also rewarding to work with young kids and their families. Uh, it's it's just a really different experience. Awesome. How has your role changed over the years? Look, support coordination really is about connecting people to services, mainstream, informal, formal, all of that, um, you know, tie-in of day-to-day of -day lives. So that hasn't really changed. What changes, of course, is changes to legislation, um, changes in policies and procedures and the way we engage with people. So it's not so much that what we do has changed, it's just how we do our role in terms of engagement. What training did you receive I was actually really lucky. I got to start my career in, in working with people with a disability at Spinal Life Australia and they were really dedicated to making sure that we had the training and education that we needed to be able to be really good supports to people. Um, I've mentioned before it's not rocket science to provide support coordination, but, you know, you do have to have an understanding of the sector, of what it's like for people living with physical and high-level disabilities, is, which is what I do, um, and that training really was invaluable. And you're, with your current role, you're working with participants of the NDIS. What's it like? What are the highs and the lows? Yeah, when you work with people day in, day out, you know, in this intimate space about their daily lives, 
you really do ride the highs and the lows and it's my personality type. You know, I feel those as well. Yeah, with working with people with a significant disability, you do really ride the highs and the lows of their lives. And for me personally, I really try to put myself in the position of what would I want for me? What would my family member want in this situation? And I'm just really driven to help people reach those goals and do whatever it is that I can, even if it's just in a small way, um, to make sure that they have the services and the supports in place to be able to reach their goals. So you mentioned before that you worked at Swan Life Australia. So do you still work there or are you working privately or what do you do now? Yeah. So um, I ended up registering my own business. I provide only support and specialist support coordination services. And that's also really important to me as well. I want to be independent. I'm really proud of our organisation. It's independence. Over your journey, what has shocked you the most? You know, I laugh about this because I genuinely think I can't be shocked with my son, Felix, and um, then I just, you know, run into a situation and I, I am shocked. I think the thing that affects me the most is meeting someone um, who's had a an injury or had their disability for some time and to find out that they don't have any support in place, no informal or formal supports, and they've really fallen through the cracks it's just a real failure of the system that that happens, but it does. And it shocks me every single time. Do you get attached to your clients? Yes, I get very attached to my clients, but lucky enough, I've got the personality where people don't get attached to me. <laughs> um, so yes, of course you work with people and, and I meet people sometimes in the worst time of their life. And that really resonates with me. I want to be sure that I can do whatever it is in my small way, um, but also recognising that I am a small part of that and what else do we need to put in place for this person to be successful and to make it in the community. Awesome. How big is your caseload and do you work with many therapists or NDIS partners in that time frame? I've got to work on my caseload. It's actually really quite big. Um, but um, yeah, I'm a small um, in, independent. We just have just support coordination services. So it, it's we're learning to say uh, no a little bit more. But um, yeah, we've got a workable client load. So as a support coordinator, you work with multiple clients, but also you have to work with therapists and NDIS agencies. At any given time, how long is that process of working with those external therapists and agencies? Yeah, so I know lots and lots of therapists, lots of care support organisations. As I say, our business is independent, so we connect with these services all the time. We connect with services that are experienced, that are good and that, that know their stuff. So, yeah, for people that I support largely with physical disabilities. We know the people with experience. Um, We're very lucky in Brisbane. I really rarely meet someone that isn't a top quality allied health professional and that should make everyone feel, you know, really good that there's services available um, that will be able to support them. So yeah, we work with lots and lots of different people. Um, Obviously we come across the same people quite a lot because of what we do and what we specialise in. So yeah, my experience though is great. What has been the biggest achievement in your career so far as a, as a support coordinator? 
Ooh, that's actually a, a tough one. I mean, um, to me, the most satisfaction maybe that I get out of it is knowing that even when times are tough, you know, that we can get through, that tomorrow will always be better. So in terms of achievements, I don't have any big awards on my wall or anything like that. But um, to me, an achievement is knowing that um, I have in some small way helped supported someone, um, you know, to be better, um, to do better and to feel better. And that to me is a massive achievement. With all the technology and equipment and services that are out there for clients, what piece of equipment do you like the best? So you know how good I am at technology, very, very average, Um, but... I just can't believe how basic things like smart AT can absolutely transform the lives of people. Um, From my um, son's point of view, uh, he's never spoken one word in his life. And when we were able to use just this basic app on an iPad and he can communicate his thoughts, his feelings, his wants, it's it's life-changing. Things like just really basic things like voice activation to turn the lights on and off. I mean, giving the independence to people who don't have upper limb function, you know, to me, those things, they might sound basic to some, you know, a lay person, but they transform people's lives. And yeah, Smart AT, don't ask me how it works, but it's amazing. And Smart AT is assistive technology. And I do believe a lot of this Smart AT that is coming out into people's homes is because of people with a disability in the, in the very beginning and a lot of it's also built into Apple and Samsung and your different technologies and also for the lighting in, in the homes for the general public to use. But a lot of that was built years ago for people with, with a disability. Now it's integrated with everybody to use, which is awesome. Agreed. What gives you the most frustration? Oh, you know, I spend a lot of my time writing strongly worded letters to people. It's frustrating when, um, you know, we've got a plan in place and, you know, things are held up by, um, you know, suppliers and and things like that. Um, That probably gives me the most frustration. I want to be able to put things in place for people so they can transition successfully into the community um, and, yeah, hold ups on things like that. If you don't have a lived experience, perhaps you don't get how important these things are. Like these are things that will actually help people transition into the community and has a massive impact on, you know, ongoing mental health. So I get frustrated when things don't happen quickly, but um, I understand everyone's busy. I just wish that people would all, you know, work really hard to get these things done. So I had the intro, I said that you're a law student. How do you manage being a law student, sport coordination and what is it that you're actually studying? So my family can't pick me out of a lineup. That's how I get through. Um, I am really lucky to have wonderful supports. But yeah, I do a really average job sometimes and I'm just, I have to be happy with that. You know, I, it's my personality to want to be the best. But in my later years, I've kind of changed that to, I just have to do my best. And sometimes your best isn't good enough, but I'm happy with that. I am studying law. It's been on the back burner for many, many years and I've just decided to refocus that. I I think that you can be the best advocate for people if you really understand the law. While you won't see me on Judge Judy, you know, I really want to understand. As a law student, what are you studying and what what would you want to become when when you become a lawyer? 
So I've thought about this for a long time, about whether I would actually want to do criminal law and go and support people in the system. My passion really is about people living with disabilities. And I think that you can be a really good advocate for people by understanding laws, legislation. You know, I think that that's important. So I'm going to do my law degree, even if it takes me the good part of 50 years, and I'm going to use those skills to help me, you know, help inform um, my day-to-day work. So I will remain as a specialist and uh, support coordinator, um, but I think that having that extra uh, education in law is going to be really helpful. So you've got a very supportive family to help you get through with family, study, and being a support coordinator. Working as so when you you mentioned before being a support coordinator, you're dealing with people who's had life-changing situations so working with support staff, family and things like that, how how do you negotiate that? How does that work? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? When you invite people into your home, it, it, it's a, I don't want to say breach of your privacy, but it's like nothing sacred because you've got people in and out of your home. You've got people sometimes discussing, you know, all different parts of your personal care routine. And that to me, even though my son doesn't have any um, language, that personally affects me because he should have a voice. So yeah, it's it's a hard thing to navigate. The supports that we've got in place have absolutely been amazing and the good far outweighs the bad. But as you know, it's, it's tough and it's something that, you know, the average person doesn't have to deal with. How do you find it? It's challenging as sometimes, especially when you have having a rough period and you're having to explain yourself over and over and telling everybody your life story, repeating what's going on, it does wear you down. But also when things are going well, life is awesome and you can get through those challenges without an issue and it's just water off a duck's back in the end. But you do need to get – you need to be tough. You also need to talk to people and mentally strong – um, but also to know the frustrations and know to when, when to let it out. And yeah, it's just inviting people into your home takes a toll on everybody in the end. But I think it's just, you've got to get used to it and you just, it's, it's our job for the rest of our lives and that's what it all is. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we there's a level of acceptance that we have to have, but it, it is tough and it's nice to be able to say it. So speaking of, of being tough and looking after ourselves, we all have them. How do you deal with the daily frustrations? I probably ride my bike far longer than I should, but that's just how, um, you know, I like to, to deal with frustrations. I um, love an ocean swim so I can just jump in the water. I know no one's going to talk to me and yeah, it just helps me collect my thoughts. So um, I'm an outdoors person. I deal with frustrations by getting on my bike, going for a run, um, albeit um, very slowly. Um, yeah. Or just doing a good workout. So you get emotionally drained, you go enjoy the outdoors, recharge, get back on your bike, ride back home, get on with it from there. What has been the biggest challenge you've you've had so far for a client? Ooh, yeah, that's that's tough. I think you can always sort things out, problems with equipment, um, you know, care supports like that stuff can be tough, but you can sort it out. Emotional things when people are going through a really tough time, that is really challenging because you know, it affects everyone around, not only the person, but, you know, their loved ones, you know, their formal supports. I find that the most challenging when someone's going through a really tough time. I just want, you know, people to know that it's tough, um, but people do care. And tomorrow, if we can make it, we'll be better. So 
how do you support someone who's going through that hard time? Like what, from your perspective or for family clients out there that are listening, how do you recommend that? How do you help someone get through that all? Oh, it's tough. Um, and knowing that someone cares. I mean, if you bring it back to when you've been in a really dark place and I know myself, you know, um, some people reaching out, sometimes you just don't want anything to do with that. But knowing someone cares is really, I think, important. And, you know, just helping people being there, you know, trying to be supportive, backing off when you know the time is right, knowing that someone cares, I think makes a big difference to people. Good advice. The biggest challenge you have given to a client? To try and get you to slow down, to be honest. (laughs) Every time I see your social media pages, I was like, oh God, (laughs) slow down. Um, Yeah, you would be my biggest challenge and I say that with love. Okay, I'm glad I am. (laughs) You're not the first person to have said that either. Um, Advice for clients, someone newly injured. I make it a general rule of life not to give advice. Um, Who am I to give someone advice? But if it was me, what would I do? Be kind to yourself. Um, It is going to be tough. It's okay to have all of those emotions. But just know that people do care and if we can get through, tomorrow will be better. And that goes for the family supports and everybody as well. Just how incredibly tough, you know, from um, your experience, Linz, how it affected you. And then sometimes looking on at your loved one and not being able to do anything. I I just can't imagine um, how difficult that would be. So kindness, giving yourself a break, taking care of yourself uh, for family members is so important. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to have all of those emotions. Well, advice, I know you you don't want to give advice, but what advice would you give for someone wanting to get into the disability field as a support coordinator or any part of it? What would you give? I'm really passionate about this um, because by and large, it's not rocket science providing supports to people. You know, that's not the tough part, but we don't want people in this industry that don't care about someone living with a disability or wanting to improve the outcomes for those people. Money has absolutely improved in the industry and a lot of people get into it because of that and and, and fine if that's your motivator. Um, but advice I would give is really have a think about it. You're coming into a really intimate part of people's lives. It's a really important role to do. So my advice is have a good think about it. If you're not passionate, try something else. Yes, we had people in our classrooms that uh, lived with a disability, physical disability and ASD. So what's the biggest misconceptions around people with a disability? I think that's changed a bit, actually. Um, Certainly in the last, I'd I'd say, 10 years, um, there's way more awareness and way more people willing to, um, you know, find out information about people living with a disability and what they can and um, uh, what they can do. I think that's always going to be a bit of a barrier. I mean, there's so many people that underestimate um, what you do in your life, what my son can do in his life. And so that's probably the misconception about, you know, people's ability, but we're getting there. I'm actually really, yeah, quite proud of uh, how far that we've come. And I know that it's just going to keep getting better. So with your triathlons, what's the biggest one you've dissipated in and where was that? Well, I'm really lucky as a triathlete because I genuinely get my money's worth. I'm out there a long time. Um, I've done 
a couple of Ironmans. Um, and so, yeah, that's 3.8 kilometre swim, jump on your bike for 180 kilometres and then run a marathon. And it's actually really funny because you finish 180 kilometres and you see the sign that says only a marathon to go and you hear people cheering, yay, which is really funny because running a marathon after being on your bike for 180 kilometres is not fun. But yeah, so um, I'm an Ironman. I'm really proud of that. It takes a lot of mental fortitude, I suppose, to get something like that done. And And where was that located? uh, I did one in New Zealand. My first one was in New Zealand and uh, one I've just done in Cairns. And I've just decided that it's a good idea to do one in Port Macquarie next year. Awesome. Would you ever think about going overseas to join in one? Yes, I've done it overseas once in New Zealand. It was my first. I do have issues with that race, so I'd love to be able to go back over and do it faster. So over your journey of working and things like that, who has opened the door of opportunity for you and how have you repaid that favour? I link everything back to Tony, Mum. Um, And... um, Yeah, my mum was really wanting us to have the opportunities that she didn't have and uh, that's education, that's lifestyle. Um, So, and how do I repay it? She's on the phone to me every day (laughs) and, you know, I'd do anything for mum. I know a lot of people are like that but I'm just particularly very grateful for all the opportunities and all roads lead back to Tony. Awesome. We're getting to the end of our little chat now, Selena, but if you can invite three people to a dinner party, who would they be, dead or alive? This was actually a really easy question to answer. And so I think, hands down, Diana Ross. I would definitely have my sister, Julia, and Lucy Charles Barclay. Do you know who that is, Linz? No, I don't. Okay. Well, um, she's an amazing triathlete. You know, these are a group of, of women who don't mind a Chardonnay, I'm sure, um, but also, you know, are just really determined, really kind people that want to be the best. And when I grow up, I want to be the best too. So that's who I would have. Awesome. Great karaoke as well. Thank you for joining us today, Selena. So our take-home message is be kind to yourself, Throw the toys out of the cot when you need to. Surround (laughs) yourself with the right people and don't let yourself fall through the cracks and talk to you, call coordinator, and make life happen. Honestly, I hope I said those things, but I 100% agree. And thank you for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. Thank you, Selena. Thanks everyone for listening and thank you to Cliff and the team for producing the podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time.